You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. So welcome to Uncorking Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin. And today I'm very excited to introduce you to Linda Griffin, who is a published author and book coach. Her mentoring program is designed to give busy professionals, coaches, consultants, CEOs, very important people, <laughs> business owners, a step-by-step process to write and publish a nonfiction book based on their knowledge and expertise. Here to talk about that and so much more is Linda Griffin. Uh, Linda, welcome to Uncorking a Story. Thank you, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Um, but my, my first question is always pretty standard. I ask it of everybody, which is, where does your story begin? And its story in this case would be your story uh, sort of as a uh, book coach and uh, book uh, book mentor. Where does sure, sure. Well, I, you know, I, I always laugh because I, I'm now using my right brain as opposed to my left brain, which I used for all of my corporate career. I have a technology background. I was actually a math major in college. And, uh, and then I joined a technology company, Fortune 500 technology company. And that was my whole corporate career. So I was, I, I consider myself a bits and bytes person, really. And And when I left my corporate job and opened my marketing company, I uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was to enter the travel and hospitality industry after a while. And my mentor at the time said, well, you know, the best way to do that is to write a book. And so, you know, naive me, I was looking at the bed and breakfast industry. They had a huge conference every January. And this was now October. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll just write a book and launch it at that conference, right? (laughs) And little did I know what I was getting myself into. It was like, uh, you know, fire hose treatment to try to learn. I knew I couldn't get a traditional publishing contract because I, I knew enough to know that that wasn't going to happen in three months. But but somehow I thought I could self-publish in three months and, and have a quality product. So uh, I muddled my way through and believe me, the ink was still wet on the books, but I did launch at that conference and it opened a lot of doors for me in the bed and breakfast industry. And so when people started hearing about that, people were coming to me saying, oh, you wrote a book. I've always wanted to write a book. How did you do that? And can you help me do that? And I, little by little, I started working with people to help them get published as well and uh, decided that I liked it so much that a couple of years ago, I just decided to pivot my entire business and just help people get their books out. I, I only work with nonfiction authors uh, because although I love to read fiction and read fiction for fun, that's a whole different animal. Scenery and and character characterization and all of that stuff is not really my bailiwick because I still have that left brain mentality. Sure. So, uh, so nonfiction books, you know, memoirs, uh, how-to books, uh, lessons learned books, those kinds of things are what I really I work with uh, people on. So this is kind of like your your third career pivot, if I'm keeping yes. You went yes. from, you know, bits and bites, as you call it, to mm-hmm. the travel industry to mm-hmm. 
And now do this. What what was so appealing to you about the travel industry? Oh, because I love to travel. Uh, I've traveled a lot, uh, both here and abroad, and love it, love it, love it. Of course, I was stifled by the pandemic the last couple of years, but uh, but I, I just love to travel. So that was a passion of mine. And when I looked at travel and hospitality, it's such a huge, huge industry. I looked at, well, what area of that could I really get my arms around? What subset of that? And that's why I chose the bed and breakfast industry, because they're a niche, if you will, of the travel and hospitality industry. And so my first book was actually, it's, it's called Maximum Occupancy, How Smart Innkeepers Put Heads in Beds in Every Season. And, and I wrote that because their biggest problem is they're fully booked in the high season. And then in the low season, they either are have barely no one, or in some cases, they actually close the inn. And so I thought, you know, this would be a wonderful topic to address a major problem that they're having. And I went and uh, interviewed about 15 different innkeepers and asked them what was the most successful marketing program they had ever implemented. And I have all of those stories in the book. So really just to give them ideas as well as some marketing strategies that could be applied to any business, but I tailored to the bed and breakfast industry. Well, I like both beds and breakfast. I have. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. You could eat it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, right? <laughs> True, that's right. I could have an omelet for dinner, but but you know, not a filet mignon for breakfast. Like, that's right. There's that's a double right. standard there. Yeah, um, absolutely. What did you learn just publishing that first book and kind of doing it on your own? Kind of, it sounds like you were writing it, getting it all ready in three months, which is which is as you know. Uh, a very fast schedule. I mean, because yes. you're doing research, and then you're yes. you've got to you've got to put the content together. You've got to yes. edit it. That's yes. a, that's like you're in in warp speed. Um, right. What did you learn about the publishing industry the hard way um, when you as you were going through that process with your own book? Yes. Well, there is a lot that I learned. Uh, like I said, fire hose treatment. And one of the first things is there's there are lots of different types of books that can be written, right, that fall into the nonfiction. In fiction, you've got mystery, you've got romance, you know, you've got those genres. You don't really have that type of genre in nonfiction, but there are certain types of books like, you know, how-to or big idea books. And so I learned what those things were. I also learned the value of pulling in professionals, right, because yes, I could I knew the content, I knew the content was in my head, but book layout, how is that done? And what are the, what's the structure of a book? What are the pieces of the book? And how do I get a cover done that really looks professional as opposed to I did it in Photoshop you know, on my laptop, right? So, so all of those things I learned as, as lessons that said, hey, you must put together a team of people to help you with that. I, I also learned a bit about traditional publishing in that um, from a right standpoint, when you work with a traditional publisher, the publisher owns the rights to your book. When you self-publish, you own the rights to your book. So it's kind of a trade-off. You get the whole engine of a publishing house behind you, right, with their professionals. You don't have to put together your own team, but you also lose a bit because they own the rights and you don't. So they basically pay you, uh, you know, a royalty, if you will, uh, which could be in some cases quite small, right? So those were the trade-offs. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like you you know, do you go for the royalty in the advance? Yes. Um, right. And then and get the engine behind it, which is right. you know, their editors, their mm-hmm. their layout people, mm-hmm. their typesetting people. Right. And give up your rights, or do you maintain control out of all that mm-hmm. and sort of be the master of your the yes. pirate of your own captainship? Yes. However, then you've got to figure out distribution and, right. and pricing. Right. Um, right. And your pricing is usually not going to be as favorable. Maybe mm-hmm. as you go through, you know, somebody who's printing out, you know, tens of thousands. of. Yes, products. that's right. That's right. Well, yeah. so when you're, when you're working with um, a new author, how does, how does that typically, um, well, how does that typically go? How do you, how do you find the people that you're working with and and what's sure. your to, to working and mentoring with, with new authors? Sure. Yeah. Well, most of my business, believe it or not, is referral based. Um, I get a lot of people, both past clients who refer their friends to me and also people, I do quite a bit of networking, people who know that I work with authors who refer people to me. So that's really the main way that I get my, uh, get my business. And um the way that I work with clients is my, I I ask them three questions. The first one is, who are you writing the book for, right? Specifically, what is the demographics of that person? And how will their life be better after they read the book? Because you don't want to just write a book just to throw something out there, right? You want it to help other people, even if that's just, hey, don't do what I did, right? Here's, Here's my lessons learned. Don't do that. Right. But some people want to write a how to book that's based on their industry. Some people want to write a memoir for posterity or leaving a legacy. So I first asked, well, who are you writing it for and how would their life be changed after you after you write that? Second question is, what do you want the book to do for you? Right. Because some people write the book, like I said, just to leave a legacy. Other people want to um, use the book to establish thought leadership in their industry and and step ahead of competition. Some people want to go on the speaking circuit. And so they wanna have a book that's that's the leverage point for that speaking circuit. So, but depending on your reasons why, right, also depends on the type of book you you want to write. And so that's when we go into, well, what is the type of book that you want to write? Is it a memoir? Is it a how-to? Is it a lessons learned? Is it is it your signature process that you want to document? And so I start out always with those three questions. And then what if someone comes to you and says, Linda, I, I want to get rich by writing a book? I tell them, I'm not the person to work with you on that. (laughs) Because realistically, you know, I'm very candid with my clients and I tell them, unless you are a Tony Robbins or somebody like that, you're not going to make a million dollars off of book sales, right? You have to think of the book in the greater scheme of everything else that you're doing as far as marketing your business. The book can be absolutely a leverage point for, as I said, paid speaking engagements, for consulting, for coaching, for workshops. That's really the bigger stream of income that you're going to get from your book. So yes, you're going to get some revenue from your book. But when you think about it, a book retails at $20 or $25, right? And after you take out all the costs, then it's going to, you're going to have to sell a lot of books to make a million dollars off of just simply book sales. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I always laugh. Like some people yes. find out they're like, um, oh, Mike, you've written, because I've written eight novels. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you've written eight novels. Um, you know, do you still have your day job? <laughs> 
like I've got two day jobs. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. You know, no one, um, you know, unless, right. Unless are like one of those, you know, James Patterson, Mm -hmm. Carl Mm -hmm. Hyacin, you know, Mm -hmm. fill in the blanks. You know, you're not, you know, most people who write, just like most people I know who are comics, mm-hmm. they still they still have a day job. Yes, right. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you talk about uh, James Patterson. He's one of my favorite. I love mystery stories. That's what yeah. I read for fun. And the engine that he has created is just amazing to me from a business standpoint, where he writes with other people, but yeah. uses his name. Right. I just think that is is so brilliant to, to you know, because you think about an author writing a book one at a time and he's able to write many books at once because he's got all these people that he's partnering with. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, what what surprises authors the most when they start working with you? Um, and I'm thinking like new authors, right? Mm-hmm. People who, mm-hmm. who, you know, probably, you know, have an idea of what they want to do, have a dream. Mm-hmm. But what, what kind of surprises them most about the process? The thing that surprises them the most is how hard it is. You know, even though they come to me and they say, I'm not a professional writer and I'm not looking to be a professional writer. But once they get into it, it always shocks them of how difficult it is to get these words out of your head and onto paper. Uh, So one of the things that I always tell them is think about it as a conversation. Let's go back to that ideal reader that we talked about in the early stages. Pretend that you're having a conversation with them over coffee or lunch or something and write the book as if you're talking to that one person, not to the masses of people that are going to to buy your book. And that helps a lot. Also, remembering the why, who are the people that are desperately waiting for that book helps a lot. But I think that's the biggest thing is that they they don't realize how hard it is to get the words out of your head because, you know, you know your stuff, but it's hard to get it then out in a cohesive format where somebody else can benefit from it. Yeah. And then it's it, to do it. And also in a way that keeps people turning the page and, yes. and you know, yes. reading the next sentence, the next paragraph. I, I spoke with um, uh, a Pulitzer prize winning author uh, mm. a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and she said, you know, her first book, and this is the book that, you know, were that, that got her the Pulitzer prize yes. uh, for, for biography. She, um, she said, you know, she sent the first, you know, few chapters to her editor, to the publisher, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they they canceled her contract because <laughs> um, they really like, like, and she realized that she had no idea what she was doing. Yes. And yes. So she went back and she's like, okay, well, what do I want people to do? I want people to to go to the next sentence. Mm-hmm. What's the trigger there? Well, the trigger is kind of putting some mystery in there. Yes. And she actually went, even though she was writing biography. Yes. She studied how to write fiction, how to write mysteries and thrillers. Yes. And that changed her approach to writing biography. And then it worked out for her because again, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Um, Right. But I think that's key too, is like, you know, because we all think, you know, especially those of us who have been in the business world, we know our materials so well, Mm -hmm. we start talking in like this technical business. Yes. Right. Right. That doesn't really translate, you know, so well to a mass audience. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's really one of the one of the roles that I play in addition to playing project manager to pull in all of these other experts. But I I act as kind of the every person reader. Right. I'm really good at 
looking at something and saying, okay, that's too complicated for the average person. You've got to back off of that. You know, you're making an assumption based on your years of knowledge, but I don't know it. I'm, I'm working right now with uh, a woman who's writing a book about golf for women. And um, she started talking, you know, she kind of jumped into the middle of the book. And I said, but wait, if your audience is women who are not yet into golf, you've got a level set. You've got to explain, you know, the nuances around golf and why I'm even why I'm even considering playing golf. So, yeah, so that that's one of the things that people also get tripped up on is that they assume the reader is going to have knowledge that they really don't. Right. So you you really coach them through the writing process, kind of mm -hmm. words on the paper. Uh, yes. Where does editing come into play for you? Are you are you working as an editor? Or are you are you hooking up people with? with other outside editors? I, I do a little bit of editing, what I would consider structural editing, because like I said, they come to me as not professional writers. So they're, they a lot of times struggle with even how should we structure the book? But I'm not an editor and I don't claim to be an editor. When we get the first draft done, I will pull in a professional editor and have them edit the book so that everything is up to industry standards. Same thing with the book layout person. I will pull in a book designer to do the book layout. Uh, same thing with the cover designer. I'm not one for, oh, let's just, let's just use a graphics, a graphics program and design it ourselves. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not, or go to Canva and let's, let's do it on Canva. No, we're not going to do it on Canva. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've, I've tried, believe me, yeah. I've tried to use the, the graphics for, for the show. And I realized yes. that um, I'm not a graphic designer. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> no. And, and even though you can get those templates, what I tell people is there's a science even behind the cover because you're looking at a book that's going to be in thumbnail size on any of the online sites. So the title has to be visible. The author's name has to be visible. The colors can't wash out. I had a client, her brand colors were orange and white. And she had a graphics person before she hired me who put together a cover. It was a very, very light orange. And so when you looked at that in thumbnail, it washed out the entire cover. So the whole thing looked white. And I said to her, look, we've got we've to make that a little bit more bold so it's visible. When, when somebody's scrolling through, you want to stop the scroll, right? And this cover is not going to do that. Especially if you're scrolling through on a small phone device. Yes. You know. Yes. Right. Yeah. You want to make right. that, that image um, really, uh, you know, it pops as the pop. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I, you know, I imagine you, you know, you're you're one person, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you want to give personal attention to you know each of your clients. So mm -hmm. you're probably very selective in in how many people you're taking on at at one time. Um, who's the ideal candidate for you? You know, who's somebody who, who comes across your your desk and you say, you know what, I need to work with, with this person. I could really help this person versus someone who, who may not be able to take complete advantage of your services. Right. Right. The ideal person for me is someone who number one has made a decision that they want to write a book, right? I talk to a lot of people who are on the fence and not really sure. And it's some vague thing out in the future, but someone who's already made a decision, but doesn't know how to get it done. They, they already know that they, they want to share some information. They may not be sure 
exactly what format it should take. So they need help with that. And sometimes people come to me with a draft, a partial draft that's already written, but then they're stuck because it doesn't hang together, right? Uh, and they need help make fleshing it out and making it readable and, and marketable, if you will. Uh, so I primarily work with coaches, consultants, uh, freelance people who are, like I said, looking to use the book as part of a bigger, a bigger thing, uh, just for speaking or for coaching or for workshops or things like that. Okay. And then who's somebody who's, who's just not, you know, not an ideal candidate? Um, you know, is it somebody who just doesn't have a fully fleshed idea? Um, you know, who's, you know, who's, someone who is not a good candidate is someone who isn't coachable, right? And you may, they, they may not know they're not coachable, but that kind of comes out in my initial, because I do an initial conversation with, yeah. with everybody. But, you know, if you are, if you already think, well, I'm a good writer, I don't need an editor, or you think, okay, I know best how to present this information and nobody's going to tell me anything differently. That's not a good, that's not a good fit for me. Also, if the person is, um, I work better with people who want that step-by-step hand-holding, right? If someone is really self-sufficient and they can go off and do it on their own, then it's really not a good fit for me because that's what I do. I give that personalized attention, that hand-holding, that step-by-step process kind of a thing. Okay. Um, and uh, where, where do budget considerations come into play? If somebody wanted to work with you, what are they? Are, are there different levels of? Yes, uh, yes, yes. So uh, some people come to me and, and like I said, they just have an idea and they just want to get the first draft done. And that's around a $2,000 package. Uh, if they already have the first draft fully done, and they just want help, let's say, getting through the rest of the publishing process, the editing and the cover and all of that, that's a $3,000 uh, pro- prospect. And then uh, if you want the entire thing, it's about 5K. All right. So that's uh, all sounds pretty reasonable, you know, mm-hmm. considering the amount of work mm-hmm. you're going to be doing with them mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to do. So I have some fun questions for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Questions I'd like to ask uh, uh, many of my guests, and I figured I'll ask them of you. First sure. one is, uh, what was your favorite TV show or some of your favorite TV shows uh, when you were a kid? Okay. Well, the first one that popped into my head when you asked the question was Lost in Space. Uh, that was one of my favorites. I, I, you know, I love the, I don't love like the hardcore sci-fi, but stuff like Lost in Space, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, Danger Will Robinson. Danger Will Robinson. <laughs> yeah, I still use that phrase, Danger Will Robinson. Oh, that's a good um, yeah, yeah. So I really like that. And, you know, my growing up, there were four kids in, in my family. And so, you know, what you watched, everybody had to agree to watch. So uh, so Bonanza was another one, the old Western Bonanza. That sure. was something that I watched growing up. With a young Michael Landon. In yeah, there. yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. No, I knew both of those shows well. Who was the... Um... The, the professor in, in Lost in Space. Oh, yeah, Professor Smith or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, right. no. Yes, yeah, he was the villain in the whole thing, yes. I know, he was always the, the foil almost. Yes, uh, right, right. They remade Lost in Space, I think, on Netflix or Amazon. I haven't mm-hmm. watched it. I haven't yeah, watched I haven't watched it either, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes those shows are better left in the. Uh, yes, in the- I would agree. Better left where they are back in the. And of course, I was a big Star Trek fan. I mean, still am a big Star Trek fan. Um, I've watched all of the various versions that they have. And even now they have the new ones out on the uh, Paramount yeah. streaming service. I'm, I'm watching those, too. I haven't watched Picard yet, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah, it is good. It is good. I've yeah. really watched the first season. Yeah. 
a few weeks ago, uh, we have a theater in town that does um, kind of throwback movies every Sunday. And about a month or so ago, they did Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't seen that since, you know, I was, yeah. you know, of age in 1982 or whenever that movie. Yes, came. It was yes. so cool to see it on the big screen. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Ricardo yeah. Montalban. Oh, yeah, yes. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, he was yeah. He was jacked. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was not Mr. Rourke from Fantasy Island. In that's that. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah he was. Yeah. Uh, he was a big dude. Um, mm -hmm. How about this? Uh, what music were you listening listening to as a teenager? Oh, Motown, of course. You know all the Temptation stuff and the Supremes and all of that. That was that was my that was my thing. Yeah, loved all of those. Oh yeah, it's all 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 great great music. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel when you're staring at a blank piece of paper or a blank computer screen about to write something? Well, you know, I, I really don't usually stare at a blank screen. And, and the reason that I say that is, um, and, and I do this with my clients also, I like to do a mind map anytime I'm writing, even just for my blog post. What are the five things or the 10 things that I want to share? And then as opposed to writing sequentially, I'll just pick one of those areas and write the paragraph about that. And then after I've gotten all of the information out there, then I'll structure it. And so it's uh, it makes it a lot easier because, yeah, staring at the blank page, I think the hardest thing to do is writing that first paragraph, right, of an article or a, a book or anything. And so if you can avoid that, right, by just starting in the middle and writing about something, then you can always backtrack and write that introductory chapter. Oh, very good. Nonlinear. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay, I know you're a traveler. What's one place you'd like to visit that you've never been to? Ah, okay. Let's see. Let me think about that for a minute. I would say probably Spain. Uh, I've been to several of the, you know, like the typical London, Paris, Rome kind of thing, but I've not been anywhere in Spain. And I think that would be a place that I would enjoy going. Number one is warm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right now I'm going to be looking for someplace warm to go. And it's got such a rich history. And so I think I would really enjoy that. I think I spent 24 hours in Madrid once mm. um, and I left my hotel only to go to uh, the business meeting I had there. <laughs> yes. Right. I went, went, went back to the hotel and back to the airport. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So That's the thing. Yeah. I've, only, I've done most of my travel as business travel and have yes. myself a lot of opportunities to see stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that's when you have to add an extra day onto the front of the back, right? <laughs> so you can do some sightseeing. <laughs> well, the thing is, Mrs. Carlin isn't always down with that plan. <laughs> Yes, I get it. I get it. She's uh, saying, no, I have to go with you, right? <laughs> well, yes. We were, you know, we were married young and we had our kids young. So mm -hmm. there was always, you know, little ones at home that. Yes. Uh, now those little ones are in college, but yes. then COVID happens. And, yes. Right. You know, right. So, uh, I know. Yeah. It's yeah, just not I... fair. Um, uh, number five would be, uh, what's the best piece of advice you could give to an aspiring author? Um, I would say the best piece of advice is to follow your passion, right? Write about something that you're passionate about, because that you're going to bring that energy with you to the book. Okay. Uh, especially if it's nonfiction, right? I mean, you, yes, if right. Not, if you're not writing something that you're passionate about, people are going to spot that. Yes. Right. Almost immediately. Right. Um, right. Last one up is uh, if you could write a letter to your younger self, the younger mm -hmm. Linda, and, and mail that 
um, and, and she could read it. What kind of words of advice would you tell your younger self? I, I would say find your own path. Um, you know, I think that for me and that during the time that I grew up, there were, you know, kind of the traditional paths of, you know, you, you, you graduate from college, you get a good job at a big corporation and, you know, and you're set for life, so to speak. And those are not that's not really realistic for everyone. And especially now uh, in this day and age, there's no such thing as that. So I, I would say find your own path because with the internet and the smallness of the world now, you can find the audience for whatever it is that you want to do. You just have to look for it and be courageous enough to go after it. Yeah, you know, I just spent a week with my dad and, you know, his career path was 43 years at the same company. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he was, you know, in, you know, pension, retirement, mm -hmm. stock, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, he did well, but that, that doesn't exist anymore. Nobody right. keeps you, first of all, people don't stay yes. 25 years. Also companies yes. don't keep you for 25 years. They don't yes. want you that long. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, finding your own path. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great, great word of advice for the younger, <laughs> for the younger Linda. Yeah. Um, so Linda, I imagine we've whet the appetite of some prospective authors out there. Mm -hmm. where, where can people go to learn more about you or if they wanted to you know, reach out and get in touch with you, where would they go? Sure. They can go to my website. It is expertauthor411, the number 411.com. And my contact page has all of my social media handles, my email, my phone and everything. So they can reach me over there. Perfect. So expert author 411.com. 411. Yep. I, I yeah. want to know <laughs> old school. Now, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's really old school. <laughs> What's well, a better connotation than expert author 911? Because yes. that's yes. you know, that means right. a, they, they might have a problem with their manuscript. Yes, that's instead. right. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Linda, this was a fun conversation. Thank you for thank uh, you, Mike. Today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.